really what happened for me um, in writing the book that I wrote, which is called The Roots of the Federal Reserve, I traced the Nephilim agenda from the days of Noah all the way to the U.S. dollar. And there's no way I could have done that without really digging into scripture and using all sorts of other you know, ancient texts and other documents. In fact, in my book, I have 553 references. And so what I found in my research is that the Bible is actually very pertinent to what we're facing now, our current situations, because we're really in the midst of this battle of biblical proportions between good versus evil. And that's why I think it's so important that we understand who the enemy is in this unconventional war because Hosea 4, 6 says, my people will be destroyed for lack of knowledge. As it's been mentioned, symbolism will be their downfall, right? And I, throughout my investigation, I uncovered two symbols that were a consistent thread all throughout history that really revealed the Nephilim in their agenda. And those... If you are like me, you're constantly searching for the best solutions to keep you and your family healthy. We all know that diet and exercise is important, but unfortunately, diet and exercise is not enough in today's toxic and nutritional deficient environment. No matter how much you try to eat healthy, soils depleted of minerals will not produce sufficiently nourishing food. That's why we have carefully curated products on the controlyourhealth.care website that keep you fully nourished. The Healthy Foundation Pack for those wanting a complete nutritional program, the On The Go Pack for those looking for a more convenient yet quality solution, and the plant-derived minerals for those on a budget who need more for your money. Starting at less than $30, you can get what our bodies lack the most, and that's minerals. The plant-derived minerals contain up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants in their unaltered colloidal form, which will give you nourishment you just cannot find in today's food. The price does not mean less quality. Far from it. Plant-derived minerals are also in the complete nutritional program, and these minerals are what our foods lack most. Plus, it comes in tasty flavors for the entire family to enjoy. So if you're on a tighter budget, plant-derived minerals are for you. You can find links for these and many other products at controlyourhealth.care or at sarahwestall.com slash shop. Now, again, um, I wanted to understand about the character of Esau because here's one of the examples of where he is now aligning with the seed of Satan, potentially taking on some of these traits of the Nephilim. And so there's another story that comes out of the extra biblical text of the book of Jasher. And it provides us with some really interesting details. And this is from Jasher 27. It says, And Esau at the time after the death of Abraham frequently went in the field to hunt. And Nimrod, king of Babel, also frequently went with his mighty men to hunt in the field and to walk about with his men in the cool of the day. And Nimrod was observing Esau all the days, for a jealousy was formed in the heart of Nimrod against Esau. On a certain day, Esau went into the field, and he he found Nimrod walking among the wilderness with two of his men, and all his mighty men and people were there in the wilderness. Well, Nimrod goes and he goes into a certain um, area within the wilderness, and Esau concealed himself for Nimrod, and he lurked for him. And then it says, um, Esau started suddenly from his lurking place and drew his sword and hastened and ran to Nimrod and cut off his head. 
So what this story shows is here is this conniving, designing, deceitful, murderous aspect of Esau's personality. And this is actually what led up to the story in Genesis 25, where he was willing to um, trade his birthright blessing. He was out on the fields hunting down Nimrod. He killed Nimrod. Two of his men was on the run from all of the rest of Nimrod's men, ran into the tent where Jacob was making this red lentil stew. And that's why he was famished and weary. And so, you know, he he was in the midst of doing this deed of, you know, filling his hands with murderous blood. Well, what's interesting, too, is that red lentil stew, it's the traditional meal of comfort that the firstborn would traditionally make for a grieving father. So rather than Esau, who was the firstborn, being in the tent making this red lentil stew, he was out killing others. And that really is the backdrop to this transformation from Esau to Edom, because Esau chose to be red. He filled his hands with murderous blood instead of fulfilling that that role of the loving firstborn. And that's it makes sense why God would say, Jacob, I love and Esau, I hated. And so I share that because this was the genesis of the color red becoming a calling card for the Nephilim agenda. And to connect the dots, just one more step um, with history and then bringing it to the here and now. So Esau, you know, he was transformed to Edom. He had a son named Iliophaz. And Iliophaz had a Horite concubine named Timna. Well, Timna bore Iliophaz a son and they named him Amalek. Now, I should pause here and say that the Horites, while um, they weren't believed to be a tribe of giants, they're listed in Genesis 14 among all these other tribes of giants. And what scholars believe is that the Horites actually intermingled with the giants, meaning that they interbred. They mixed species. So they were spreading the Nephilim genes. So now you have Amalek, who is part Edomite, part Horite. And it's possible that within Amalek are now these Nephilim genes that are being carried forward. Well, what's interesting is the name Amalek means blood liquor. And it means, you know, in the sense of devouring something and then licking up the blood. And so among the Edomites, you now have these traits of Nephilim. And they were also known to have red hair. So, you know, the Edomites, Esau had red hair. And so that red hair was passed in um, the bloodline as well. And it actually is one of the four physical traits that I have for Nephilim hosts. But I have to say, I don't want to offend anyone with red hair because, you know, my grandmother had red hair. My aunt has red hair. I'm not suggesting that anyone with red hair has or is a Nephilim host. Well, but, don't they have to have all these other traits? I mean, yes. it, you can't just have red hair. You right. can't just be 5'5". Five five. I mean, it has to be all these other things. Not that 5'5", five five. I just throwing that out there. But you know what I'm saying. It's just one random thing. It has to come together. Exactly. You don't want to draw a conclusion just based on one trait. But I say that because some people think that's what I'm saying. So I just wanted to clarify. But, you know, as I poured through all these historical documents, what I was finding is that you know, there is a connection between red hair and Nephilim traits, you know, whether that was in the Edomites, 
whether that was in the elongated skulls of Paracas, Peru, whether that was the red-haired cannibals um, that terrorized the Paiute tribe in Nevada, Tarim Basin mummies in China had red hair, um, and they were said to be extremely tall, and there was other traits of the Nephilim. But then you have the Celts, the Scythians, and the Khazarians. And so all throughout history, there was this connection between red hair and Nephilim traits. But like as you say, we, we need a cluster of traits, not just one genetic marker. Well, isn't there this, also a lot of people without red hair who are... Yes. Okay. Yes. They might just have that in their ancestor somewhere. Right. Ancestry. Okay. Right. Right. Um, but, but it became yet another, um, piece of evidence that red is part of this calling card for the Nephilim and their agenda. Now, um, when we fast forward many centuries into the 1700s, the Rothschilds, that name means red shield. And the Rothschilds are arguably some of the most influential Nephilim hosts of the common era. And then if we fast forward to our current day, you know, we can see that the color red aligns with the seed of Satan and the Nephilim. Um, you know, when we think about spirit cooking and Maria Abramovich is, um, you know, she has this obsession of using blood as her medium for her artistic expression. But then also if we think about the red shoes being a symbol of pedophilia, um, you know, in fact, that's one of the behavioral characteristics um, of a Nephilim host is pedophilia. And so here we have, again, red, how it it ties all throughout. And so being able to trace the symbolism all throughout history to our current day, that's what allowed me um, to kind of to see this roadmap of the Nephilim and their agenda. And so it goes from the Nephilim to the Raphaim to the Horites then to the Edomites, the Khazarians, the Ashkenazi Jews, to the Rothschilds, to Jacob Schiff and Paul Warburg, and then down to the Federal Reserve. And that's how it all connects. And of wow. course, I lay this out in my book in great detail for those that are more interested. But in doing this, what you know, I when I set out to write this book, I had no idea any of the dots would connect. And it really was an act of obedience. I felt like God was asking me to write this book. And I didn't know, like as I was writing chapter five, I had no idea how the pieces would come together. I wrote it in what I call real time, meaning I was hopeful things would, the dots would connect, but I really didn't know. And when it came together, I was, I finished writing during lockdown in 2020, March of 2020. And as soon as this COVID hit the news and, and began to spread, I knew right away, this is a wicked agenda because of what I had just written. It, it really peeled back this veil. And I was able to see this psychological warfare that's being waged against us. And one of the ways was through COVID. So, mm -hmm. and I think, I think it's important. I mean, that's one of the things now in my, in my career as a psychologist, I, I think my primary focus right now is to awaken people to this psychological warfare that's been enslaving us. And then, of course, to help people understand the origin of it, which is what I just described. But I also, you know, while I'm uncovering all of this um, corruption and deception and you know, all these deeds of darkness, I know I'm also called to be a distributor of hope. And so 
I, I would love to just share a little bit about how do we break free from this psychological warfare that we're in the midst of? Yeah, I, I would I would love to do that. Before we get into that more, can you give us an idea of um, do all the different leaders of the world, you know, because you got Justin Trudeau, you got... Uh, you know, well, Klaus Schwab is an obvious one. You got um, the New Zealand leader. You got Biden, who's barely even there, which is weird. But Jen Psaki, I mean, you got um, uh, what Nancy Pelosi, all these people. Do they fit the description of the traits that you have unpacked? Yes, a lot of the behavioral characteristics, very okay. much so. Okay, yeah. and, and can you get to a point where you can identify somebody that's just in your midst? I mean, is it people all over the place or is it just a small percentage in leadership or what are we seeing here? Great question. So one of the things that I do want to say is um, what I've laid out as far as the physical traits and the behavioral characteristics I call them a proposed criteria for Nephilim hosts because, like I mentioned before, this really is the first attempt at laying out criteria that we could look at to discern whether or not somebody has these Nephilim traits. And there's a whole lot more research that would have to go into sure. verifying that th this truly is a cluster of traits that we could use to classify someone. Um, but with that said, it, it at least is a good starting point. And, you know, what we want to do is we want to, we don't want to be deceived, right? By our leaders, exactly. by those around us. Um, it's not just leaders though. Um, you know, there are people that are behind the scenes that are operating and functioning in this way that, um, you know, we're not even aware of. But many of them are, like I said, they're t the titans of global governance um, that are over, you know, these these this big push to move us towards a new world order, a one world government. So that would classify most of the globalists, um, you know, the elite globalists as Nephilim hosts. Um, but again, you know, it's it's the first attempt at laying this out, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. And it's almost like you want to be careful of making sure people have the background and understand it and and don't take traits out of context and know that we still have research to do. And But we really do need to get to the to the crux of this at some point with either um, understanding their brain waves. I mean, obviously, if you're a pedophile, I don't even care if it's not, if you're not a Nephilim host, if you're a pedophile and we mistakenly get you classified as one, we need to take you out. We just need to know who these enemies are. It's become very difficult because you don't, people keep looking over their shoulder. They don't know who the enemies are. But yeah, please give us some hope. Give us what you say, what you found as a means of, you know, overcoming this. Because some people have lost hope, and I don't want people to lose hope. Because there's always hope. I always, I'm always optimistic that we we will win. We'll, we're going. To, I don't know. It's in my. We just will. I don't know how why I know this, but I know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm very similar with you. I have tremendous hope. Um, and, you know, I often think about it's darkest right before the dawn. And so as things become heavier and more dark and things are exposed and, and it really just, you know, when people see some of these things like, you know, the child trafficking and, and horrors like that, 
it's like we're seeing the cesspool of humanity and it can physically make you nauseous. It could cause yes. depression and lack of hope. And yeah. so one of the things that I first want to do is just help people understand the psychological warfare that we're under, because if we're aware of it, then we're less likely to come under the spell of it and yep. get entrapped by it. So um, you know, in thinking about um, behavioral modification strategies, um, you know, these strategies really have been used to shape the psyche of the American people for well over a century. And what it involves is giving out rewards for people who, you know, have these behaviors that successively move them towards a predetermined outcome and then doling out punishments for those who fail to meet the desired outcome. And you know, an obvious example of this is what we've seen through COVID-19, particularly with the injection. You know, those who dutifully got their injection, they were rewarded, right? You know, they were given free donuts, free beer at first. You know, I even heard free McDonald's meals where that's not really a reward in my book, but <laughs> for some it is. And, you know, they were given travel. You can go to school. You right. can go to college. You can stay here at Harvard. I mean, just incredible blackmail. You can keep your job. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, those of us that did not get the injection, we weren't given the same rewards, right? In fact, in some instances, like you just mentioned, we were punished. Some people lost jobs. You know, we're not given the ability to travel freely like those that got the injection. Well, this is classic behavioral modification. It's shaping the masses through using positive and negative reinforcement and punishments. And it's all by design. And I, I want to read a quote from Klaus Schwab um, in his book, The Great Reset. He says, if the first, if the past five centuries in Europe and America have taught us anything, it is that acute crises contribute to boosting the power of the state. It's always been the case, and there's no reason it should be different with the COVID-19 pandemic. So right there, he's laying out that with this pandemic, they want to boost the power of the state. Well, this is where another one of the psychological um, mind control tactics is used that we need to be aware of, and it's called the Hegelian dialectic. And I think more and more people are becoming familiar with this, but George Hegel, he was a German philosopher from the early 19th century, and he was actually considered the, the father of modern secularism, and he influenced both Karl Marx and Charles Darwin. So what he developed, this dialectic is a method of thinking, and so it's a basic brain function of differentiation. And what I mean by that is Hegel thought that the human mind can comprehend better if opposites exist. And so you have hot or cold, black or white, you know, right or wrong, Democrat, Republican, progressive, conservative. And what happened is um, they discovered that this dialectic could actually be used to control the masses. So let me describe a little bit what this dialectic is. So you have thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. But an easier way for me to think about it is problem, reaction, and solution. And this dialectic um, has been used to move the masses towards this prescribed outcome that benefits the elite. So the agenda behind this um, Hegelian dialectic is one that gives the centralization of power to one governing body. 
And of course, this governing body requires absolute obedience from its citizens. So when you think about it, under this system of enslavement, the only way that individuals can find freedom is in total obedience to the state. Well, this is kind of what Klaus Schwab is talking about, but we know that that is not true freedom whatsoever. And then we consider Henry Kissinger. And, you know, one of the things about this Nephilim agenda, and even, you know, if you think about the occult and black magic and all of that, they, um, in order to manipulate people and the masses, they have to tell us what they're going to do. And if we don't rise up, then we're giving our consent. That's how they view it. And that is so weird that that's part of their agenda. I would think they wouldn't even have to do that. But the fact that they do, I, I, I still am like shocked that they have to, because there's something weird about that. But they also claim, they're also playing mind games with themselves because they claim that they're telling people, but they're manipulating people, blackmailing people in a lot of cases. Like how could somebody who needs to take this to save their child's life um, be consenting? You know, this, so they do a lot of mind games with themselves to convince themselves that they're actually doing this. That's why I, I have a hang up with that whole thing. But you, yes, I've, I've seen this. You, you know what I'm right. saying, how, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think even in the realm of the occult, what it does is it actually empowers their rituals if they've given if they've given foreknowledge to the masses. Is it like that um, you, um, they're, they're creating the energy, they're not going to have, the, the energy isn't going to push against them, the energy is going to flow with it. So it's basically right. they're doing it to get the energy flow to flow with it so they don't have to fight that that pushback of energy, that would make sense more than they need to do it for cult reasons. To me, only because I just, it, it, they're fooling themselves that they're actually getting consent. Fraud right. is not consent. Right. But, right. you know. Yeah. yeah, I like how you described that. So then if we think about, Harry, Henry Kissinger made a statement in 1992. And if we think about it in light of this COVID-19 um, pandemic that we went through, it, it really begins to make a lot more sense. He says, today, Americans would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told there was an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated, that threatened our very existence. It is this then that all peoples of the world will plead with world leaders to deliver them from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by their world government. So what we see here, what he's describing is essentially their playbook. They know that fear is one of the most powerful drivers of mind control. And Nephilim hosts, they had to create this fear and panic in the masses so that they could roll out their surveillance program. Because, you know, if you think about it, and there's no way Americans would agree to surveillance, but we came under the spell of the Hegelian dialectic in 2020. And so what I thought I'd do is give us examples of these Hegelian dialectic so um, that we can see him more clearly. So in 2020, the, one of the Hegelian dialectics was the problem was the virus outbreak, right? And that created a reaction in all of us. And in the masses, it created a reaction of fear and panic. 
and so much so that it caused the masses to turn to their governing bodies for the solution. Well, we played right into the Nephilim host and the globalist hand. That's what they wanted us to do because they already had the solution predetermined. And that is to, you know, um, withhold our liberties, reduce our liberties so that, you know, we could keep everyone quote unquote safe. So that's an example of the Hegelian dialectic in 2020. Then in 2021, the problem was in so many states still, there were businesses, schools, and churches shut down. And of course, we all remember travel was extremely limited. And so then the reaction that that caused in the people was one of this desperation to return to some sense of normalcy. And so again, the masses turned to the governing bodies for the solution, and it's right what they wanted because the solution they already had predetermined, and it was the vaccine passport. You know, we were told in the beginning that for those that get the injection, you won't have to wear a mask anymore. You'll get to travel, you know, all those things that we are all the lies. Yeah. All the lies. Now, in 2022, what it looks like is being rolled out. The problem is inflation supply chain issues, and also the soaring prices in real estate across our nation. And what that, the reaction that that's creating in people, again, it's, it's fear, but it, there's despair that's starting to set in. And, and I've even, you know, been hearing people giving up on their dreams, even for home ownership. Mm, that's true and yep. what that, what that sets up is this solution that Klaus Schwab has brought forth with the Great Reset. You know, he talks about how in the future we won't own anything and we'll be happy. And so this is what is busy rolling out. And it's psychological warfare of the highest order. And we've been lured into what I call this war of frequencies. And, you know, if we can recognize it for what it is, then we can rise above it. And that's the good news. Well, their solution is the solution of Satan. I mean, you're taking, biting from the apple of sin. I mean, you don't want their solution. It might be a solution that you think it, it, it uh, will help you. And it ends up being the worst thing you could ever take on. It's the same. They're tricking you into taking. Mm -hmm. It's a classic fairy tale. It story. is. When you think about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, with this war of frequencies, one of the things that I um, appreciate about quantum physics is mm -hmm. that, you know, it's taught us that all matter has frequencies, yep. right? Yep. Well, emotions have frequencies as well. And so fear is one of the lower frequency emotions, whereas love is one of the higher frequency emotions. And, you know, since the outbreak of the virus, so many people have come under the spell of these mind control tactics because they've given in to fear. And instilling fear in the hearts of the masses is a hallmark trait of the Nephilim in their giant offspring. You know, we think about the story of David and Goliath. Well, Goliath was able to use fear and intimidation to paralyze the armies of Israel for 40 days. They were paralyzed in fear and didn't do anything while he's hurling insults at them. Well, this is classic Nephilim traits. And, you know, I think one of the biggest tragedies of the past two years has been that people have become incapacitated by fear. And of course, you know, the mainstream media understands this. And so they roll out this constant flow of fear-based yes. stories. And what it does is it, it 
causes the masses to get stuck in their primitive brain where they cannot access rational thought. And so fear originates from the amygdala. And it's that part of the brain that's, you know, considered the hind brain, the reptilian brain, or even um, the primitive brain. And what that means is that when we, when we're fearful, our ability to process nuanced information is impaired. And so we're more likely just to blindly follow others rather than using critical thinking skills. Now, it becomes really interesting if we consider um, the word pandemic for a moment, because as I break this down a little bit, it, it exposes even more of the psychological warfare. So if we think about the root word for pandemic, it's pan. And Pan is the name of a Greek god. Pan was god of the woods and the fields. And he was said to make mysterious sounds that would create this contagious, groundless fear in people in crowds and also in lonely places. And so, you know, the word pan panic also originates from this root word pan, as does pandemonium. Now, pandemonium means a place of uproar and disorder, wild, lawless confusion. So you can begin to see how this all ties together. So, you know, in this psychological warfare, when there's this release of a pandemic, it stirs up this fear and panic. And, you know, of course that happens naturally within the psyche of some individuals, but then when you add to it, the accelerant of mainstream media hysteria. Yes. Now you have groundless, contagious fear in large swaths of the population. And, well, and worse, you know, they use people who of, of authority to mm -hmm. spread the information as well. Exactly, yes. And tragically, we even saw a pandemonium break out in the last two years, you know, with the riots that we had. And so, this is the progression of psychological warfare that the Nephilim hosts are waging against us. So they release a pandemic that creates panic that leads to pandemonium. Um, but again, once we understand that this is the battle of frequencies that we're in the midst of, we can rise above the attack because, you know, we, we need to learn how to resist fear and become resilient people because you know, fear, not only prolonged fear will weaken our immune system, but it drags us down to that lower frequency range where the battle is raging. The only thing and that we have to fear is fear itself. Anyways, keep going. Yes. I mean, that was a very well, powerful statement. And, and that's what Henry Kissinger was banking on was fear of the unknown. You know, when there's this unknown, this invisible virus, you know, where even the asymptomatic can be spreaders. And you could just see that that psychological warfare that's happening. It was and evil. They knew the answers and they were doing it anyways. Exactly. And the average person didn't know. And that's what was, you know, people like me and you that were going out there and so many great warriors were going out there telling people they're lying to you. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't count, I think, on us having so much influence because they did try to shut us down and censor us before this whole thing came out. And it just wasn't enough, I don't think. In some countries, it was complete. In the United States, it wasn't. And in you know, other areas, it wasn't. But keep going. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so we, we think about um, how fear can destroy us. 
And, you know, one of the things that is so beautiful is that our creator, he understands this about how he made us. And that's why in the Old Testament alone, there's 52 times that we're told to fear not. And one of the passages that I love is in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And when you think about it, it makes so much sense because yes. back to what I was saying about fear, um, originating in the amygdala, we cannot have a sound mind if we live in fear. We cannot think rationally if we're filled with fear. And that's what God understands about us. And, you know, it. Um, one of the things, too, that happens with fear is, again, we get pulled down into that lower frequency range where the battle is raging. Well, that's where all the lies and deception mm -hmm. are swirling on that lower frequency range. And so we have to learn how to rise above that attack. And one of the beautiful things is that um, a passage in 1 John 4, 18 tells us how we rise above it. And it says, there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear. And to me, that is so beautiful because love overcomes fear. And there's tons of research on this that I love, but I'm going to mention just one um, in, in closing. And that is the HeartMath Institute. You know, they've done a ton of research on emotions and our heart and our brain. And what they discovered is the magnetic field that our heart produces is more than 100 times stronger than what our brain produces. And so when we think about that, when we exude heartfelt emotions like love, compassion, gratitude, generosity, we literally can drive fear out of the room, out of the atmosphere. And I love that because no matter where we go, we can choose, okay, I'm going to rise above this war of frequency because if I give in to fear, I'm going to come under severe attack. I'm just going to rise above it and I'm going to look out for one another. I'm going to love those people in the grocery store that are working hard to fill the shelves. I'm going to thank them. I'm going to be compassionate towards one another. We literally can shift the atmosphere everywhere we go. Well, I think another good example of that is when you have um, unconditional love. And when a mother or a parent has unconditional love, no matter what's coming at them, they don't fear their own death. They don't fear anything when it comes to saving, to protecting what it is that they unconditionally love. They don't, you don't even think about it. Right. I mean, that's the most purest form, I think, but it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But So I just want to encourage people with that. You know, that's we, like, that's we, so beautiful. That is so great. Okay, where can people get learn more about your work? I mean, this is really powerful stuff and something that can really help us. So where can people learn more about your work? You have a couple books that you've written, right? And you, go ahead. So probably the best place to start is my website, which is no longer enslaved.com. And then from there, um, you can access my book. Uh, it's called The Roots of the Federal Reserve. You can also purchase it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Then I also just recently, well, I guess maybe in the last seven months, I started my own YouTube channel that's called No Longer Enslaved. And right now, I'm in the midst of doing a 10-part series called The Impact of the Nephilim Agenda Today. Oh, and so perfect. for people that want to... 
you know, dig in a little bit deeper than what we did today. That's a good place to start is, um, you know, watching some of those. Certainly my book is going to be the deep dive um, and it will connect all these dots because I just scratched the surface. Today. Oh, yes, I'm sure. Um, and then on my website, I also write monthly articles. So I write articles on COVID-19, on health and wellness, on child and family advocacy, on globalism, um, on the Federal Reserve. So you can access those on my website. And then I also am on Telegram. And my public channel is Laura Sanger 444 Hertz. And so people can find me there as well. That's awesome. And then we got to get you on BitChute and Odyssey and Rumble, some other places. I am where on they, Rumble. Well, they just. I'm on Rumble too. But. It's easy to do it with a YouTube because they just, you can. They have a easy YouTube thing. And then once you're kicked off YouTube, because you might be, you'll at least have all your library on all these other places and then you're set to go. I always try to get people on other places because YouTube is censored so badly that I am not it a is. friend of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm in a yeah. lawsuit against them, so I'm not going to support them. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, thank you so much. You are a godsend. This has been just so fascinating. Will you stay after for my members and we can talk about some of yes. those traits? Okay, Absolutely. thank you so much. Mm -hmm.